Hi, and welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name is Jason Skiles, and we've got a bumper edition of our show to bring you. We've got some very special guests joining us on this edition of the podium. We're going to be talking with supercar driver Shane Van Gisbergen about the Supercar E-Series, which took place a little earlier in the week. And we had races held at Phillip Island and Monza, so we're going to get his thoughts about that. And we're going to be talking a little bit about his career with him. We've also got Emma Notta Francesco joining us to review the Australian Superbike Championship. Uh, it was a busy off-season for the Australian Superbike Championship, so we're going to talk about some of the big moves during the off-season and review that first round of the championship at Phillip Island. And a little later on the show, we're going to be joined with a very special guest. He has won a Daytona 500, he's won a Formula One World Championship, and he's won an Indianapolis 500 it is Mario Andretti, and Mario joins us a little later on the show to talk about the current state of motorsport and to reflect on his career. So it's a huge addition of our show. Right after this, we're joined with Shane Van Gisbergen on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport and joining us on the podium right now is a driver that has won the Supercars Championship and he was competing in the virtual Supercars E-Series earlier in the week. It's Shane Van Gisbergen. Shane, thank you so much for joining us on the podium. No problem. Now, Shane, what did you make of this first ever round of the official Supercars Championship E-Series race? Uh, well, it was good to just do some racing. Um, yeah, obviously... Missing racing at the moment. It's um, yeah, pretty weird times in the world. So yeah, to go go racing again was good. Although there wasn't much racing from my end, it was uh, a bit of a crash fest, but uh, it was entertaining. Well, yeah. Talk a bit about first of all. Talk a bit about your past few weeks. You're in ISO at the moment. I understand you're in New Zealand with uh, your your family, so you're not even using a simulator that you'd usually be using. Oh, I spend half my time here in New Zealand, so pretty good. I ducked home. On the Sunday of the Grand Prix weekend, I got home as quick as I could. Um, and, yeah, been here ever since. So, yeah, but um, when I'm over here in New Zealand, normally I'm mucking around on the farm and hanging out with mates and stuff. I try not to be on the computer, but we're full isolation uh, now. So, yeah, I uh, had to try and set up stuff before the isolation kicked in and had mates and parts coming in from everywhere. But, yeah, got a simulator going. But, um, yeah, trying to stay outdoors as much as possible. Well, yeah, even your, your simulator setup's pretty awesome. You know, you have people that talk a bit about this just being virtual racing. I understand that you use a steering wheel that you used at the, the Grand Prix weekend in 2016, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first Red Bull win. So, um, with Red Bull, they have a cool thing. Um, every time you win a race, you get a new steering wheel. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to get my first one and, yeah, had a few wheels since. Do you actually? That, that is fantastic. And and uh, what do you do in preparation for the big supercars race? Because, of course, you've been on iRacing for quite some time, but what do you do preparing for yesterday's big races? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, did a little bit of practice or a fair bit because I normally do sim racing just for fun with some mates and stuff. And, you know, there's a, obviously a little bit of pressure, actually, from Red Bull and, and Triple Eight to do well. So I put in a bit of effort to take it seriously. But, um, yeah, it was just crash fest. So next week I'll have a different attitude, just race for fun and just try and enjoy it. 
Well, yeah, well, let's talk about some of those races, of course. We had the first well, the first two races at Phillip Island. The first one was all right. You uh, managed to survive that one pretty incident-free uh, with a, you know, top 10 finish. No, I think I got up to... Oh, no, I didn't go up to down in race one, which was pretty <laughs> good, but definitely went off the track about five times. Yeah, well, talk about... All a bit the other about... races, I went upside down. Well, yeah, talk a bit about that second race because, you know, even as soon as you were rejoining the track, you got collected up by Jack Smith and just... It was chaotic, yeah. wasn't it? Not wrong. And what about that race yesterday at Monza that we had? I think this one's going to be the one that's going to be doing the news rounds all throughout the week. That first <laughs> lap, it, unbelievable. Your car was flipping through the air along with a few of the other ones. Yeah. What were you doing in the car yeah, at that point yeah. in time? Were you having a good laugh or how, how were you taking it all? Yeah, I was laughing. I just thought how stupid it must look. You know, we're all... All thought we were having a fun race, but it's just a crash fest, which is fun as well. But that'll get a hold pretty quick. And, um, you know, I think we've got to represent everyone well and do some good racing. Trying to put on a good show, and I'm all for that too. But, you know, we're still representing, and we've got to put on a good show. So I'm in two minds about it because I had a blast, but that's not going to last, I don't think. Well, you got the next races coming up at Silverstone and Barcelona. Silverstone, of course, you've had a lot of success here you know, actually behind the wheel of a car. What do you make of the next races next week coming yeah. up? Uh, I haven't even thought about it, to be honest. But, yeah, I like Silverstone. I've raced there uh, a couple of times. Really awesome, awesome track. Um, and then Barcelona, I don't know it. So, yeah, I'm going to have to learn, learn a new track this week and try and be good at both. And have you had a chance to watch back any of the highlights from the races yesterday? Because the Supercars media team really put on quite a production, you know. It really took it up to the likes of IndyCar and F1 with the broadcast standards. Yeah, yeah, I, I posted the live footage to my Instagram. Fantastic to see. And, you know, hopefully it's something, you know, it's a substitute, of course, for the actual racing. But hopefully we can get a lot of fans on, on board for this and hopefully we can get some more entertaining action throughout the season. That's right. 2020, this year, the supercars, you know, it's affected everyone, but the supercars, it's been a massive one. You guys as well, it looked like you guys were blindsided yep. leading into the, the big Superloop 500 with the announcement that Holden was going to no longer exist after this season. How did you take that news? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's got huge uh, implications uh, for so many people in our industry. You know, Holden has been a part of the sport for so long and even though obviously it's scaled back a little bit in the last few years it's still a huge part of our dna and we represent the, uh, the holden racing team and represent holden you know so it's huge news for us um i don't know what next year holds uh or even the rest of this year you know it's a it's a massive change for us so yeah it's a real sad one to see that brand uh departing but um you know, we've got to, got to see out the rest of this year and, and whatever happens next year as best we can and hopefully send it out to Holden on top. But, yeah, what a huge change and, and sad news. And going forward, what do you think the championship should be looking at doing? Do you think they should be looking at bringing forward their Gen 3 yeah. modifications for next season? Um, considering all the circumstances, that's going to be very tough considering. But do you think they should be looking at speeding up that process yeah. for next season? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, with the talks there, what I'm hearing and going on, uh, Gen 3 is going to be hopefully a lot more similar now, but with the top of the roof line a little bit different on the cars so we can accommodate more body shells. 
and then hopefully Gen 2 and Gen 3 can race together with the aero testing is much closer or much better system now. I think there's a way of getting the cars much more equal because obviously a low roof line is hard to get the center of gravity right, hard to get the drag right um, on the cars. But, you know, that's probably the most cost-effective way and that's the best way to get other manufacturers and body shapes in, you know, because the limit really is the roll hoop. You see how shit the Mustang looks and how stretched it looks to get on the car. But when you see a Mustang on the road, or even the safety car, it's a pretty good-looking car, but they they can't make it look good with this roof line. So hopefully Gen 3 is not a big change. Um, hopefully they do some stuff to accommodate different engines. Uh, we had a six-cylinder twin-turbo motor GM motor, and it was just a bit highly stressed to make 600 horsepower, you know. So if maybe the horsepower came down a little bit, took a lot of drag or air off the cars to get the speed back, um, that's more important to me. And I think to most fans, you know, you want you want the speed, you want the rawness, you want the sound, and uh, we've got to we've got to, we've got to keep keep that DNA there. You know, the cars are so much faster now, but the racing's not much better. So, yeah, for me, I think we need to get all the downforce off the cars. Um, they tried to do that. Well, they said they were going to do that this year, but the downforce levels only back to what last year started with. You know, we we increased our downforce last year to match the Mustang. But now we're back to really what we started with. So it's not much different, unfortunately. And with the goonies on the cars, the racing, uh, the cars are hard to follow. So for me, I'll take a lot of downforce off, uh, make Gen 3 adaptable for the rules, and then try and get other manufacturer support in and other engine plants and everything. And, you know, just try and make the racing good again. You know, make, make things much more simple and uh, make the sport what we love again. There we go. Some excellent ideas there from USVG. Hopefully... The Supercast Championship yeah. takes on board some of that advice because <laughs> excellent stuff there, and I'm oh, sure a lot I'll of make it sound so. Si- <laughs> yeah, I make, make it sound so simple, but I'm sure other people will try and be complicated and line their own pockets. But to me, it's pretty simple. Yeah, well, yeah. Look, you know, hopefully they take on board some of those some of those things that you've put forward there. We have had a few races in 2020. Luckily, we've had a few races this season. Talk about your Super Loop 500 weekend. Oh, shit, I actually don't remember it too much. Uh, yeah, Saturday I didn't qualify that well, I don't think. And, yeah, as I said, I was excited um, under the impression that we wouldn't have, you know, as much downforce, but really it was harder than ever to follow. So the racing was a bit lackluster at Adelaide. So um, hopefully they're going to make some changes to take the air off the cars and make them easier to follow. But uh, certainly it was interesting with the control shock, shock absorber, which I think is an awesome addition. It really leveled the field. But um, the quality of it was a bit average. There's a lot of component failures and stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty good that we've all got the same issues now. The cars move around again. I think that's really cool. And uh, it seems to be a big leveller. The qualifying was as close as it's ever been. So, uh, yeah, both at Adelaide and Melbourne, it was really close. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And just before that, you had the Bathurst 12-hour this year. Another podium finish for USVG. Yep. Yeah, we, we really struggled. Um, our car, um, Triple is quite new to GT racing. And um, I myself, um, just we couldn't find a setup that made our car fast enough. And the European teams that run the Merck are really on it and their drivers. And Jamie and I just struggled just a little bit to match them for pace. Um, we had a, a German driver helping us, Maximilian Goat. 
and he, he was really helpful in, in the way he drove the car. I, I learned quite a lot of him. And, uh, yeah, we just didn't quite have the pace, but through a bit of luck and a couple of errors by other teams, uh, we managed to get a podium, which is really cool. Well, yeah, do you see Triple Eight expanding to do more GT racing in the future? Yeah, definitely. We've been racing in Asia last year. I did the Asian GT Championship with uh, Prince Eamon, or Jeffrey Ibrahim, as he races as. And, um, yeah, what an awesome, awesome family. So, yeah, it was his first ever season racing, and he got got a GD3 car. So, yeah, it's been a cool learning experience trying to coach him, and where our experience is getting better and better, and he's getting faster. But, um, yeah, I think that's what Triple Eight wants to do. Um, you know, we'll keep in, in supercars always, but, you know, get to do these big races and Bathurst 12 hour all in Asia. It's a really cool experience, and, um, you know, Roland loves that racing. Well, yeah, it will be fantastic to see. Now, let's talk about that Grand Prix weekend, of course. It was the, one of the weirdest weekends in, in yeah. I think, motorsport history, really. Uh, you know, the Thursday, obviously, you guys yeah. were there. You did your practice sessions, and you're you qualifying. And then, of course, all things changed rather, rather yeah. suddenly for the whole Grand Prix circus that was there. Talk a bit about your experience for the Melbourne Grand Prix weekend. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird one, obviously, with all the all the virus and stuff, and not being out. You know, you weren't allowed to shake hands with anyone, and all the fans were sort of kept away and stuff. And it was a really bizarre weekend, and you know, uh, I couldn't catch up with some of my friends in the F1 paddock from McLaren, and it was, it was a weird one. Um, but you know, I I'm uh, actually on a simulator racing team with that has Max and uh, Max and Lando on it. And, um, you know, I knew uh, reading the messages overnight, you know, that uh, Thursday night that the drivers had gone home, you know, Lando flew home uh, Friday morning, you know. So, um, yeah, I knew the event wasn't going to happen, but, you know, still got to go to the track on Friday. And, you know, I went out for qualifying. Everyone went out for qualifying already, walked out there, and, you know, I was probably one of the only drivers in my shorts and T-shirt, you know. They were just fiddling... I think they were waiting over the announcement for, um, you know, who was going to take the fall for it, you know, because no one wanted to be the one to cancel the event, to take the money money fall and stuff like that. So so much political stuff, you know. And there was, when I left the track, there were still fans waiting to get in, thinking the event was still on, you know. No one let anyone know. It was uh, it was one of the most bizarre, bizarre things I've ever been a part of, but... Yeah, it was um, known it was going to be cancelled that Thursday night, but everyone pressed on as normal Friday morning. So it was a pretty pretty bizarre bizarre weekend, one of the weirdest things I've ever been a part of. So, yeah, I left the circuit pretty quick. I uh, got on a plane to Queensland and locked up my house, and, yeah, I've been in New Zealand ever since. Well, yeah, there you go. Of course, the Monday after that, we saw all the changes around uh, the distancing rules and everything, and the big sporting events have been all banned since then, and which has meant that a lot of supercar championships yeah. have been, rounds have been postponed so far. Uh, some might get back on the calendar, some might yeah. not, depending on how things go. What have you been doing since that time? You said mm. you've been up in New Zealand. What have you been doing since that whole isolation period? And um, what do you think is going to happen going forward? Yeah. Oh, mate, my guess is as good as yours. Everyone's just speculating at the moment talking about races in June or July, but we really don't know. So we just have to trust the leaders of the countries and, you know, do what they say. So, yeah, I've been in full isolation since I came here. 
um, just living at my folks' place and, you know, I've been trying to train every day and just mucking around on the farm and, yeah, trying to just trying to just keep focused and just chill out, really. So it's been a good time for that. But, yeah, so much uncertainty and, um, yeah, I certainly miss race cars and a lot of friends in Australia. But, um, you know, it's just time. you got to go through the right things and, and uh, you know, trust people that are going to fix this virus thing we got going on. But, yeah, pretty sad times, really. Uh, a lot of people missing sport. So, yeah, hopefully it's all over pretty soon. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, motorsport has been one of those sports that has fortunately managed to do something about it with um, this this uh, long layoff, obviously, with E-Series racing, of course. You've got IndyCar that's doing an awesome job with their championship. Formula One has started the past few weeks. Your mate Lando Norris yeah. is competing in the, fo- in the Formula One one at the moment. And in supercars, of course. What do yeah. you think this... Where do you think E-Series racing sits in the landscape of Australian motorsport? And, and yeah, talk about your experiences with E-Series racing. Like you, know, like you said, Lando Norris, Max Verstappen you've dribble, driven alongside. What is it like for you and where do you think th- this is yeah. going to be for the future for motorsport? Yeah, well, I, I got a pretty good simulator and stuff that I use. But um, until re- I, I just always use the simulator for fun. I don't get anything out of it for driving technique and stuff like that. And, I just like getting on, racing with my mates and having some banter and doing some fun races. But, you know, there's E-Series going on. I've had to take it serious and get data and stuff like that and be fast. But um, so I don't really enjoy it as much. I just like playing a simulator to play with some race cars, you know. So, But it has its place at the moment. Um, we're lucky uh, as sport, you know, watching... You know, a rugby player press some controls and play on the computer against his mates probably isn't as entertaining. We can, you know, sit in a race-like position and same controls and be pretend race car drivers on the interweb. So it's pretty cool. And I think there's, um, you know, the first round of supercars was a bit of a fail. It was really entertaining and a good time, but um, there's a lot that they need to improve for round two to try and make the racing better, you know, and only have the odd crash, which looks awesome instead of, you know, three every lap, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah it's what it is. Uh, but you know, that's that's what we got at the moment. That's all we have. So, as drivers, we have to represent our our sponsors. Still, it's great that they put it on. It's great TV production and look pretty cool. But yeah, it's all we have in this time. So, and the good thing is, I can go and jump on a race, and you know, Joe Bloggs on the other side of the world or in Australia can can smoke me. He can come and race and beat me. So. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Oh, it is. Well, yeah, like we said, it's a a great substitute while we wait for the proper season to get underway again. Another great moment this year from you, Gizzy, uh, as to come at the Superloop 500, at the end of the race, unfortunately, you had an issue with the car and Cam Waters had to give you a ride back to the pit garage. (laughs) Awesome stuff. Talk us through that. I probably thought before I did. Yeah, I probably thought before I, uh, or did before I thought, I... uh, jumped in the wrong brand and the wrong energy drink so uh yeah but it was cool uh he gave me a lift back i was changing gears for him and mucking around so it was a bit of a laugh but um yeah it was gutting that day we had had a fast car should have won the race but um had some issues couldn't get the fuel in because of the fuel tank collapsed and and then the suspension ended up breaking so we had a lot of issues that day but um yeah got back to the pit safe which was good 
Yeah, well, yeah, it was another iconic moment for Australian motorsport, and hopefully, have more similar moments like that, regardless of the brands that you guys might be representing, of course, the rival brands. But uh, you know, a lot of banter as well. That's the other good thing that we've seen the past few weeks. There's a lot of banter between the drivers. Uh, Jamie Jamie Wingup, of, of course, uh, was giving you one about your mustache the other day. Tell, saying that you look like Ned Flanders at the moment, Gizmo. Yeah. Is that something that you're going to stick around with, <laughs> with the moustache or are you going to just get rid of that soon? No, I'd only had it for half a day or, <laughs> or a day. I had it just for that interview for a laugh and then I took it off straight away. So it was pretty good. He got me good there with that call. So I'll get him back one day soon. Oh, fantastic. Well, just before we let you go, I'm sure a lot of people out there would wonder... You've driven a lot of cars over the years and have driven a lot of race car tracks. What is your favourite car and race car track that you've ever Ooh. driven? Oh, favourite car, race car. Um, well, there's a lot. You know, the I always jump in a supercar and it's the best racing and the best raw car to drive. So they're definitely on top of the list. But in terms of a race car, it was probably the, uh, you know, my Formula Ford's really up there. Well, I'm kind of adding three cars, but. Yeah, Formula Ford's up there, but also the McLaren 650. Like, when that car was on song, it was just beautiful to drive. It was on a, you're always on a knife edge. You had to enter the corner with a little bit of oversteer. The car had to be oversteer to get front grip because it was a rear engine. Um, but, yeah, the way that car floated into the corner and you could carry the speed if you got the entry right, it was one of the hardest but most rewarding cars to drive. And I think it was just an amazing-looking race car, so... Yeah, that's probably my three favourites. And in terms of the tracks, I know that you're meant to debut at Le Mans this year, but unfortunately that's going to that's going to be changed. But yeah, favourite track. What's the favourite track? Yeah. Oh well, again, I've actually got three. Uh, it's hard to narrow it down. Bathurst is top of the list for obvious reasons. Um, then I've got Spa in Belgium with that Eau Rouge, and then the way the corner corners flow back down the mountain. That's one of the coolest tracks. And then I've got Highlands in New Zealand, which has uh, basically no straights. It's got all the famous corners in the world in its layout and, you know, a figure eight type system over a bridge with a jump. And, yeah, that's that's a proper driver circuit. So, yeah, yeah, got my three favourites there. A very picturesque circuit there as well. It'd be awesome to see a supercar racing around there one day in a championship round. But, yeah, you know, it's been an awesome... It's been an awesome career so far, Shane. What advice do you give, just finally, to any young and upcoming racers out there? What would you be saying to them? Say, for example, you're a young driver back in the early 2000s, Shane. What would you want a driver to be telling you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's... um, I kind of touched on that earlier in the conversation. You just got to remember why you're doing it. You know, do it with some friends. Always have fun, and if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. But, yeah, always go to the racetrack with a smile on your face. And uh, regardless of the result, try and leave with one. You've got to find ways to enjoy it. And, um, you know, if you're struggling for sponsorship, you know, or money to move forward, um, in my opinion, I find, you know, some of the young racers or guys coming through are just boring. You know, they say they say the perfect thing. They say the right thing, thank their sponsors, do the same thing. But they're all the same. You've got to do something to stand out. You've got to you got to drive crazy on the track, do crazy moves, pull it off, and not dangerous stuff, of course, but, you know, you got to find a way to, got to find a way to stand out and get people on board with supporting you. So I think I did that or still do that sometimes with my driving, but, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's my advice. So always have fun and, and find a way to be different. 
Some awesome stuff there from you, Shane. Well, Shane, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, have you on the podium today. Uh, look, you know, it's been an awesome career so far and you've excited so many race car fans over the seasons. Hopefully we do get some supercar action again soon and we get to see some more race wins for you and the entire team there at Triple Eight. Yeah, cheers, man. I enjoyed it. See you, buddy. There we are, Shane Van Gisbergen talking about his career in motorsport. If you want to catch the extended interview, it should be up on our podcasting platforms where Shane talks in great detail about so many highlights of his career. Right after this, so Emma Notta Francesco joins us on the podium. You're listening to the podium where we celebrate the best in motorsport and joining us right now is a good friend, Emma Notta Francesco. She heads up the coverage for the ASBK Championship. Emma, thanks so much for joining us again on the podium. Thank you very much, Jason. Thanks for having me back. How have you been, Emma? I understand that you're in ISO at the moment. Yes, I had um, 14 days to myself because at um, probably the wrong time I went to New Zealand. I uh, was filming for a TV show that um, I've been working on, Witch Car, Channel 10. And, um, yeah, of course, when I got back, I had to stay home for 14 days. Um, but, yeah, like everyone else, just trying to keep myself busy, going a little bit insane um, and watching back on whatever I can motorsport-wise. Luckily, I've got KO and Fox Sports and, um, yeah, as I said, just trying to keep busy. Well, fantastic. Well, let's talk about the 2019 ASBK Championship before we head to this season. What a season. We had uh, Mike Jones come from nowhere, really. I think going into that season, no one really was expecting much from him. And then Troy Bayless had his big crash, obviously, and he stepped into the into the Ducati role. And talk us through that season. Yeah, that was honestly one of the most competitive seasons we've ever seen in the championship. And yeah, as you said, Mike Jones took over from Troy Bayless, massive shoes to fill. So there would have been so much pressure on, on a guy like Mike Jones. And... Yeah, he, he managed to do it, funnily enough, in the last, the, the third last corner in, uh, in that last race of the championship. So it came down to half a point in our championship. Never have we seen such close racing in ASBK. So it was a sensational season. And I think it was, you know, 25 points separating the top five in that very last weekend. So... Really great contenders, um, and I know that when we do go back to racing, we've got some amazing contenders in it yet again for 2020. So, yeah, 2019 was sensational, and as I said, can't wait to go racing and see it all probably happen yet again. Talk about, you know, those final few rounds of the championship with Mike Jones battling it out with uh, Troy Herthos and Wayne Maxwell coming to blows as well at some points of, of that championship. They never stopped those two. The greatest rivalry we, we've seen. And um, I think there was even a few conversations in the first round. I, I always get my cameraman to watch what those two are doing at Parfumay. No matter what, something's always going on with those two. You know, they're friends one round and, and then they're foes the next round. So it's always fun to watch. But, um, yeah, it, it's always great to see uh, those two battle it out on the track and behind the scenes as well. We were excited to see Wakefield Park because uh, Wakefield Park is actually Troy territory. Wayne dominated in the very first round at Phillip Island, which I know that we'll get to shortly. So, yeah, it was going to be very interesting to see what was going to happen at Wakefield Park. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
it, it was great to see Wayne Maxwell, Troy Herfoss, Josh Waters was in the mix in that first round as well. So, yeah, these guys, I mean, while they're, they're friends behind the scenes, they do, they're also quite fiery. So they, they don't hold anything back down at Park May, which, which is always fun for the fans to see as well. Oh, it sure is. And, and talk about some of the changes during that off-season. We had a few big-name riders moving along to different teams. Yeah, it was one of the silliest seasons I think we've seen. So, um, obviously, we we uh, saw Suzuki uh, moving on from ASBK, which I'm sure it's not the last we're going to see from them. We do have them still uh, putting money into um, privateers, uh, which is great. Um, so, Wayne Maxwell, Josh Waters, unfortunately, were left with our seat. I knew we were going to see them back in the lane. Wayne Maxwell has teamed up with Craig McMartin. Um, he's now part of Boost Mobile and K-Tech team. First time we've seen him on a Ducati. He came out in testing and was super, super fast. So it's not Mike Jones, who's the only one on board of V4R now. It's also Wayne Maxwell. Josh Waters um, only launched his campaign uh, in, I think, the final week uh, prior to Phillip Island. So I knew he was coming back in what capacity we weren't sure. He's still on board a Suzuki GSXR, JW Racing, and he did a stellar job in the first round. He had two podiums. Um, so, yeah, so both privateers. Another privateer moved from factory team, Daniel Felzon, moved from Yamaha Racing team. He's back on his cat, so still on Yamaha, but he's back on the cat that he raced and had a lot of success with in 2018. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do this year. Uh, we also saw Glenn Scott uh, still on a Kawasaki, but he took the second seat at Kawasaki BC Performance. So he's lining up against Brian Saring. And we also saw Aidan Wagner, privateer, returning to, uh, well, returning from injury. He had a great start to the year last year, and he took that second seat alongside Crew Halliday at the Yamaha Racing Team. So, it was a real silly season. Yeah, we're seeing these guys like ex-champions um, like Josh Waters, Wayne, Wayne Maxwell, sort of, you know, privateer guys now. And it's, yeah, it's certainly thrown a bit of a spanner in the works and it's going to make things really, really interesting. Oh, it sure is. And, yeah, you mentioned Josh Waters there. I think he's on a bike that's a few years old as well. He just pulled it out of the garage, I think, from... Yeah, he's got his um, brother working alongside him still, Brody Waters, and... Um, yeah, he was telling me a bit of a story about, you know, getting it all together. And I think there was a moment there he said, you know, can we do this? And he kind of knew that he had to. But there was no way that he was going to stop now. Um, he still did really well last year. I think he finished fourth in the championship. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, these privateers, what they do to get their bike onto that grid. I mean, they all have full-time jobs. They stay out really late working on the bike, making day trips down to tracks you know, long trips, like they're from Mildura, you know, um, all these long day trips, staying up late, that, you know, the amount of commitment that it takes to be a privateer and to be, you know, not having that factory back support. It is quite a change for him. Um, but, yeah, they're committed and they're ready to get out there and do it all again. And he, yeah, popped out there and got a good, pretty good qualifying position and, and landed two podiums. So well done to him. Yeah, and Wayne Maxwell, talk about that debut in the Ducati. Yeah, wow. So he came out, got his pole position, and yeah, he just absolutely smashed it. Three three for the weekend. 
he um, he's obviously got the support of a lot of people. Um, team out with Craig McMartin. Um, that that Ducati is is very very quick. And again, he was talking about yeah, has been a huge commitment for him to come out there and and do it all again as a privateer. He's obviously has it's been taking quite a, a bit of time to get that support and get all those sponsors and get the whole package back together again. Um, he is, you know, one of the old ones in the field. So I'm sure he was questioning again, what do I do? I, you know, I have been with the factory team for quite some time. Obviously, before he was with Suzuki, he was with Yamaha Racing Team. So, again, a big commitment. But, um, yeah, he came out there. He was quick in testing. He was quick all weekend. Um, and he had a lot of pressure from Crew Halliday in each of those races. A lot of people were saying Crew was, you know, um, playing it quite safe. But, um, yeah, he did put quite a bit of pressure on him, but just couldn't get him in the end. He was way too quick, and he's, uh, he's the one leading the championship going into the next round, whenever that may be. So bring it on. This season, of course, Troy Ballas isn't out there on a bike. What is it like not having him out there on the grid? You know, it's, um, I think if he had just disappeared altogether, it would be quite sad, but we don't really feel it. Like, we loved watching him race, um, even though it was quite short, Liam. But we still have him around the paddock, so you don't really – his presence is still there. You know, we always had had him there watching Ollie, which is great, and Ollie Bailey's doing a fantastic job, I must say. He um, won the round uh, for Super Sports. I have to make mention of that as well. Um, but, yeah, you've also got him there, obviously, as, as part owner for um, Desmo Sports Caddy team. So it's like you, you never really miss Troy. You always sort of have that, that face there and that support of Troy being a part of the team. So um, yeah, I guess I guess you don't have time to miss him, which which is great. So he'll always be a part of ASBK and a part of the sport. Do you reckon we'll see him out there as a wild card entry at any time soon, or not really? Uh, yeah, we thought we were going to see that last year, so um, we're going to have to push for it this year. I think. I hope. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully we do get to see him out there again because, you know, it's been an awesome career that he's had so far and it's awesome watching him out there for someone his age to still be able to compete with people half his age is just extraordinary, really. Um, Let's talk a bit about the championship at the moment. So, you know, we've got five different bikes taking up the top five positions in the championship. You've got a Ducati followed by a Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Honda. This is something that a lot of other championships aspire to. How good is it that we've got such a variety of different bikes out there competing for wins? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why we keep telling people, I mean, this is how good ASBK is. I mean, years and years ago, we we were nowhere and these, you know, motorcycling Australia have, have revived this sport. This is why we keep reminding people, this is how good we are. We've brought it back and, and revived it and we look at it now and we think, wow, look at where we've come. All these manufacturers on board, you know, our grids are so big. There's a reason why people want to invest in this sport. There's a reason why we have, you know, the sponsors and the broadcast deals. It's because it is, you know, so great. And, yeah, I mean, it's exactly how you said it. Um, that's why I want to be a part of it. That's why... Sponsors want to be involved. The crew members want to be involved. Even just camera operators want to be there. It is such a fantastic sport. And that's why I love going there every single race weekend. And I have my head held up so high to be able to be a part of it. Every single race that you watch. I mean, just watching that last race last year, we we couldn't believe that the championship was so close. And that really, I mean, not every race is, you know, half a point, but 
most races are actually like that for ASBK and most categories. I mean, if you look at Super Sport, the 300s, even the Oceania Junior Cup, which is our feeder category, the racing really is that close. I mean, you think about two wheels, two wheel racing is very close, you know, overtaking. That's why you love watching motorbikes, right? Because you get to see a lot of overtaking. It is quite different to four wheels in that regard, but it really is like that with ASBK with most of our racing. And that's why people want to tune in week after week. As a reporter for ASBK, you get to follow the other championship categories as well. Who are some of the riders to watch out for in the future? Well, Lucas Quinn for OJC, uh, he got the round win for the Oceana Junior Cup. Um, others to mention, Ollie Bayless, I mean, he got to battle it out against Tom DeParis. Tom was just there for the first round, obviously, he's heading overseas. So, I know he had lots of fun. Ollie, we've, you know, we've been watching for years, obviously, but I think this really is going to be his year. Um, definitely one to watch out for. Brandon Demery has done really well in the 300s. I think he's going to have a great year. Harry Curry uh, had a great first round as well for the 300s. Archie McDonald, I have to mention as well, he got his first podium for the 300s. So many great youngsters moving up. I mean, OJC has had such a successful 2018. It's a great feeder category. I have to make mention of Max Stofa because he got his very first podium. He just moved up to super sport so that was a really great weekend for him and Jack Passfield has had some great results as well but yeah so many to mention up and down the lane. So the 2020 championship season of course has been affected because of the corona crisis this season though we were going to be heading down to Barbagallo for a big race weekend combined with the supercar championship talk about how good that would have been. Yeah look it would have been amazing Um, I mean years ago we did race alongside supercars however just logistically it was coming off the back of the bend and we were going to head straight to Perth so it doesn't really make sense in our calendar now cost wise for the teams for everyone involved uh to head to Perth unfortunately it's um it's quite a a long trip for for all our teams so at this stage it has been cancelled um you know, if we could make it work, absolutely we would love for it to happen. But, yeah, just at this stage, um, it's not going to be in our calendar. I'm sure down the track we will combine with supercars. Um, we would love for it to happen. But at this stage, it's cancelled. I'm sure we will we will meet again with the supercars in the near future. Well, yeah, it will be fantastic when that does happen. If we do get any more action in this season for the ASBK Championship, Who's your prediction to take out the title? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, wow. I think, you know, if you look based on what we saw in round one, um, I'd have to say it looks like it's going to be Wayne Maxwell's year. He was very hard to catch, but, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to say. The competition it looks like is going to be even more fierce than 2019 if that's possible. Um, but I'll, I'll just throw it out there and say Wayne Maxwell is going to be pretty hard to beat in 2020. Interesting stuff there. Wayne Maxwell, we'll, we'll wait and see what does take place if we do get any more motorsport action in that is, of course. Emma Notta-Francesco, thank you so much for joining us on the podium.
Thank you so much. I just have to remind everyone, it is the My Bike Motorcycle Insurance ASBK Championship presented by Motel and you can catch us, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, on Sundays. We're going to have three hours of coverage. Fantastic. And on SBS, of course, so free-to-air TV as well. So plenty of people out there with the opportunity to watch some awesome motorcycle action this season. Emma Notta Francesco, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Thank you very much for having me. There we are, Emma Notta Francesco, talking about the Australian Superbike Championship and that first round at Phillip Island. And hopefully we get some more action a little later on in the season. After this, so we've got a very special guest joining us. It's Mario Andretti up next on the podium. listening to the podium and right now on the podium we're joined with a very special guest this guy's done so much with his career i don't really know where to begin he's won a daytona 500 he's won a formula one world championship he's won multiple indycar championships it's mario andretti mario andretti thanks so much for joining us on the podium it's my pleasure jason now mario let's first of all talk about the situation that's um gripping the globe at the moment there's really unprecedented scenes with the corona crisis obviously and you're in one of the countries hit hardest by in america talk about what the situation's been like for you well uh the situation right now i think it's uh, pretty much coming to a peak and uh but um you know just going back to uh when uh, this pandemic just uh, started to become real it was interesting that there was the same weekend um uh, as of uh, the uh, Melbourne Grand Prix, the, the Australian Grand Prix, we were in uh, in Florida, the Saint in Saint Petersburg, and um, and of course, uh, just uh, you know, the, the the Thursday before uh, practice would begin on a Friday, uh, all of a sudden there is news that uh, uh, the the race may not be uh, taking place, or uh, at best they would be without. Um, uh, the, you know, spectators. Uh, but, uh, you know, at that point, I think there was a bit of an overreaction, uh, mainly because uh, I have a condominium there in Florida, actually, right uh, in the city next to St. Petersburg, and uh, all the restaurants were open, all the beaches were open, and activity was as usual. So, uh, quite honestly, uh, had, having that race that weekend with full uh, the spectators, I don't think would have made any difference because there was uh, there were no uh, there was no criteria as far as uh, you know uh, distancing and all of those things that they were uh, put on later on. So, unfortunately, that race didn't happen, and I think the fact that Australia was decided to to cancel as well didn't help. So. Uh, uh, one took the you know took off from uh, from the other and uh, but again uh, as as we are now that um, the target date to potentially start opening things up a bit is uh, at the end of the month um, and um, we will have to wait and see I think the the projections are a lot uh, smaller uh, you know the the facts are a lot smaller than what the projections are as far as uh, infections and and, uh, fatalities. So uh, that's obviously a good sign. And uh, so we have to just uh, stay positive. You know, uh, uh, we talk about uh, the state of uh, IndyCar racing. There's a plan. There's a plan out there to 
resumed the season at the beginning of June, potentially in Detroit, and uh, and still have uh, uh, somewhere maybe a 15 race season uh, by having double headers in a couple of the venues. So at least trying to recoup as much as possible. Um, again, I think it's good to have a plan. Formula One definitely has a plan as well. And uh, and go from there. You know, as I say, we uh, um, you know we cannot predict uh, the future positively, but um, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, you must have a plan and then be ready to potentially make some changes. But uh, but uh, keep uh, the, the you know the mindset uh, very positive. I think that's important. Yeah, great words there. What have you made of it? Like. On the good side of things, we've seen motorsport capitalise in terms of launching E-Series competitions across the globe. Uh, the Supercars Championship here in Australia had theirs held earlier in the week. Uh, IndyCars had a few races. NASCAR's doing it. Uh, Formula One's doing it. What have you made of the E-Series racing that's provided to be an awesome substitute for actual car racing? That's amazing. It uh, started out to be just an online series and... Uh and, uh, you know, the, the attendance was incredibly encouraging. Now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, the TV television picked it up. And, uh, and I think the audience has been, uh, this is just very uh, surprising, surprisingly good. So, um, and I mean, one of your chaps, you know, just won the last IndyCar race uh, in Alabama. You know, uh, our friend, Mr. McLaughlin, you yeah. know, he, uh, he, he uh, did fantastic job. Obviously, I can see a tremendous future for him uh, uh, in uh, in America. I think uh, he certainly would uh, potential with the right team, with the Penske team. So, um, yeah, that's a good that's good to see there. And uh, but again, you know, I think this i racing is opening up another avenue here. I I see i racing continuing as we go on on the off season. Uh, just to, to, to keep uh, some of the race fans uh, entertained. Um, so, uh, you know, out of all of this, uh, you know, we just probably discovered another venue of presenting our sport. And uh, and the best part is that uh, you can get in drivers interchanging from other disciplines, you know, to say, oh, you know what, you know, I'll give it a try, you know, see, because it's uh, it's so realistic. And um, so, again, you know, uh, out of some negatives, there's always a positive that comes out of it. Yeah, there sure is. I have to ask you, you do mention about guest drivers competing in competitions. You mentioned Scott McLaughlin there in the IndyCar Championship, and also there's been other drivers like Jimmy Johnson competing in the IndyCar Virtual Series. Have you considered driving? Well, you know, I I think... uh, you know, I would be taking a place of maybe some uh, young young lads that probably could use some of the uh, you know the exposure. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, you know sure you like to be out there mixing it up, but uh, uh, you know maybe the time will come. But uh, at the same time, as I say, I don't want to push myself in there in any way. It's uh, uh, I think there are careers that. Uh, as, sometimes could be revealed even from something like that. And, um, and so uh, let the, the youngsters that have a future, you know, have every opportunity, you know, before, uh, you know, <laughs> individuals like myself try to just go out there for satisfaction. 
You mentioned that you still have this love of watching all motorsports, whether it be Formula One, IndyCar and everything. What do you make of drivers like Lewis Hamilton, who is just smashing all these records at the moment? You've been around for many decades and you've seen all these awesome drivers. You've competed with them. You know them. Where would you say someone like a Lewis Hamilton ranks compared to some of these other greats? Yeah, it's... You know, you have to just look at his uh, his career record. You know, it's uh, uh, he's done what he needed to do. Uh, the, the thing about um, you also look at uh, uh, his choices and his opportunities. What it's been. I mean, he's always been with a competitive car. You know, he uh, he started out on McLaren, and um, you know, and, and he started winning quite quite early on. He was and. Uh, and being competitive, and then uh, when he went with Mercedes, that's when Mercedes came alive, uh, and um, and you know he can thank Lauda for that, you know, to, to steer him in that direction. Uh, so uh, he has uh, extremely competitive cars, but uh, he knows what to do with them, you know. Um, you know, you always measure up against a teammate, and uh, he's been able to outdo the teammates, uh, and uh, that's why. Uh, he ranks right up there. He'll probably break. Uh, uh, well, you know, he's still young enough that he can still break uh, Michael Schumacher's uh, uh, record for wins, and uh, and which I thought that that would never ever be threatened in the history. But uh, uh, he just might be the guy to do it. You know, he already did the polls, and and uh, so it's uh, he has a very enviable career no question um and um and more power to him you know i i like lewis a lot and uh and he deserves it he certainly has worked for it and looking at the future of motorsport especially formula one who is the driver to watch who would you say the next big driver is well i think uh, the next stars that are going to be the real protagonists for the championship uh, you'll see max verstappen one and Charles Leclerc, I think uh, these are two that are standouts at the moment. Uh, they're rare talents, you know, talents like that come along, you know. And, and I would love to see uh, your own, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, you know, in, in, in a, a properly competitive car, you know, again. Um, because uh, there's one guy that I, I don't, I think his race craft is, uh, is second to none. <laughs> Nowadays, I've is uh, overtaking uh, and he's very, very clever, very quick when he needs to be. And he's another one that uh, he's a bit of a dark horse, quite honestly. Um, and uh, but there's a, the level of, of talent, uh, you know, in Formula One again, just like IndyCars, is uh, is incredible. It's really uh, very, very, uh, I think, interesting and 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 pleasurable to, to watch and see how, how it all develops. Yeah, and, and in the IndyCar world, who do you see as being the next big thing in IndyCar? I think uh, uh, there again, you know, it's hard to just pick one, but if I had to pick one, a real talent to really watch is that's Colton Herta. You know, the young lad is uh, he's just turned 20, I think, and uh, and and he won, he won his first full season this past year. Uh, the two races that he won, he won on pure speed. Uh, and, uh, and, and 
And I think uh, the last race, especially uh, with Scott Dixon and the willpower behind him, pushing him throughout the race, you know, he was basically uh, flag to flag, never put a wheel wrong. And that's the mark of a champion, future champion, no question. I'm extremely impressed with him. And uh, so I can't wait for the season to just uh, get going, you know, just to to watch uh, the likes of him, you know, perform uh, because there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, well, you know, over the course of many years, you've driven uh, a number of different iconic tracks, driven a number of cars, what would you say your favorite track and your favorite car have been to drive throughout your career so far? Yeah, that, that's a question that uh, I've never been able to really answer properly because uh, um, I, you know, uh, I, I won, I won races. You know, some tracks that I never thought. I asked myself why, and I never, I purposely never really tried to uh, to to to. Uh, to assess any, this is my favorite track, this is not, because if uh, every track to me was my favorite, because to go there with a different attitude, you know, I would I would be defeated before I started. And uh, as far as the cars are concerned, I'd say I'm in love with every car that I want to race with. You know, there isn't a single car, like a lot of people say, they point out, or they load a 79, this and that. Well, there are other cars along the way that one races with that I I was totally in love with, you know. So it's uh, the only way I can put it is, uh, you know, uh, every car that I want to race with, uh, I could call that my favorite car. <laughs> there you go. Very well said there, Mario. And, you know, in terms of all these career highlights that we've discussed, which one is your favorite highlight, if there is a favorite career highlight for you? Well, I think... Uh, Overall, it's uh, uh, nothing will ever match satisfaction, you know, uh, winning uh, the world championship, uh, winning Monza for me, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because in 1954, age 14, is when Aldo and I, some friends from back in Luca, took us to, uh, to watch uh, the, the Formula One race in Monza. And that's where the mold was cast for me. And that's where the impossible dream at the time, you know, seemed like it was formulated. And for me to win Monza in 77 and then clinch the world championship in 78, and quite honestly, Jason, I won in 78 as well, you know, because uh, I got penalized along with Jill Villeneuve for allegedly jumping the start. But uh, if you look at it, I was going to protest because uh, he's the one who jumped the start. I just reacted. I never went. And then he was almost in the chicane by the time, uh, you know, we went. So, uh, and I chased him down throughout the race and I passed him right at the end because I had some brake problems, you know, and I thought I, I drove a hell of a race there, you know, probably one of the best races of my career. And then I get penalized a minute, you know, but, um, but the, point I'm making is Monza and when I won in 77 at the track that actually my dream really began these are the highlights of my career actually this this is one that I can probably say it's probably the jewel of my career fantastic and you do mention 
all those big rivalries over the years. Who was the toughest competitor over your career and your favourite teammate that you really enjoyed sharing sharing a car with? Well, you know, uh, as far as competitors, I mean, uh, you look back, uh, you know, almost every decade or almost uh, uh, there's certain periods where there's always somebody that uh, that's better than you, somebody that really elevates your game because they're so good that uh, it pushes you you know, to be better. And, um, and I, I will never mention the names because I'm always afraid to leave out somebody that uh, should be mentioned. Uh, and uh, so uh, these are some of the questions that I've, I've been asked before and I, uh, I, would, I, just, I just avoid the answer because uh, how delicate that is. But uh, all I can tell you is that uh, when I look back at the iconic names that I've I had the opportunity to drive with and against, uh, you know, it's just, uh, again, uh, you know, I just have to pinch myself. I'm fortunate I've, I've, I've been to, to have had that opportunity. Um, and uh, and as far as teammates, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've had, a, you know, quite a few good teammates. I think probably one, one of the, in sports car, one of the best teammates was Jack Eakes. For some reason, he and I really got on well. As you can see, we won quite a few races together. And then, um, and, and, and as far as uh, uh, Formula One, it was uh, Ronnie Peterson. He and I got on so well, you know, and, um, and, and we were friends, but, uh, teammates you know where it was no you know we were trying to kill each other on the track but uh you know after that we would just have a beer together you know so uh it was really uh it, it was a, a joy to be to be part of you know to to have on the team yeah and uh michael and jeff of course i'm sure would get a mention oh of course of course of course i mean it's uh you know can you imagine you know the opportunity that i had just to drive with my with my own son and, uh, and 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 being on podiums together, being on the same race uh, with them, uh, even uh, even my nephew John, you know, like uh, uh, we were on podium in in, in Milwaukee, I think in 1991, uh, was uh, Michael first, John second, I was third. It was the three of us, three Andretti's on podium in Milwaukee, and then um, and then uh, Michael. And John and myself drove, uh, you know, the Porsche 1988, the factory Porsche at Le Mans, and uh, and there we uh, we lost the cylinder at one in the morning, and uh, still finished sixth in the in, in the race. And and I think that the way the rules were, uh, the way we were positioned, I think we could have won that race as well. And that was, uh, and uh, you know, John was really very good as well in sports cars. You know, he. Uh, he won the 24 hours Daytona. He won some sports car races, and uh, and but again, here we got that. Uh, you know, I got my own son and my own nephew. You know, in in a major event like Le Mans. Just an incredible family with Marco as well now. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, it's uh, that's the third generation going. You know, so uh, we have not seen the best of Marco yet. So we got a lot of hope there. Yeah, hopefully we do see. Marco achieved plenty of success in his motorsport career. You know, we've talked about your entire career now, Mario. You know, those early days of, you know, your passion for motorsport. If you 
were to give a word of advice to a young and upcoming driver now, what would you be saying to them after all these years of experience in top-level motorsport? Well, the only advice that I can give is uh, if you have the really the burning desire uh, and the passion to pursue this, uh, you know, uh, you know, pursue career of motor racing, it's never going to be easy. Just find a way. Never be discouraged. You know, uh, when I started, I never had a plan B. Never had a plan B, even though I'm possible, things seem to be. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I didn't, couldn't get any help even from my father. But uh, you find a way, you know, just don't give up. And that's really uh, that's the only advice that I can give because that's the experience that I had in my own way. It just seemed like impossible. But, but uh, you got to be persistent, have that mindset, and go. And it's going to happen. Some wise words there from you, Mario Andretti. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the podium. Thank you so much for taking so much time out of your schedule to join us to reflect on all these awesome memories. And hopefully there's plenty more to come with Marco and future generations competing in motorsport. It's my pleasure indeed. Thank you for having me. All the best for everything. And hopefully we get to see you down in Australia at some point again. Okay, Jason. You bet. Cheers. There we are, Mario Andretti joining us on the podium. If you want to catch a very special extended version of that interview, it's up on our podcasting platforms, so tune into that one. Uh, We've almost finished up, though. Right after this, it's time for the Podium of the Week. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in motorsport. It's time now for a segment we haven't done yet in 2020. It's the Podium of the Week. Yes, Podium of the Week time. So if you're new to this, this is how this works. We celebrate three performances from either drivers or teams from the past week in motorsport, and we do it in a top three format. So let's begin with number three, third position on the podium. This week goes to Jack LeBrock for winning his first ever supercar race. Yes, it was virtual at Phillip Island. However, a great effort from Jack LeBrock to get his first win Position number two. Position number two goes to a Formula One driver. It goes to Charles Leclerc. He made his debut in the virtual series just the other week and he blitzed the competition. A driver that doesn't do very much sim work. So it was great to see him in the competition and he just blitzed the entire field. So he gets position number two on the podium. And time now for the top position for the podium of the week. Position number one. The first position for the podium of the week goes to a driver that has gone and competed in the virtual series in IndyCar, and he's had great success there. And then we saw him earlier in the week in the Supercars virtual series. He won two of the races. It's Scott McLaughlin. What a performance from Scotty. He has done it all in real competition and also virtually. So Scott McLaughlin, congratulations. He takes out the top position on the podium of the week. And that's about all we have time for for this edition of The Podium. A special thanks to all the guests that have joined us on the show for Shane Van Giersbergen, for Mario Andretti, for Emanotta Francesco. If you want to catch extended editions of those interviews, they're up on our podcasting platform. So we have those drivers talking at great lengths about their careers and reflecting in great detail about some of those career highlights of theirs. So tune into those up on our podcasting platforms on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify 
and on Google Podcasts. So tune into that. That's about all we have time for for this edition of the show. Very special thanks to all the people that have tuned in. Catch you next time on the podium. Thank <laughs> you.